I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Amanda! 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 I can't stop. <laughs> From brief PT student to acquired brain injury survivor. That's right. In this episode, I'm talking to Amanda Salgado, fellow stroke survivor and Modus Nova user. Boom, intro done. Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Lauren. And we are the, the Neuro Nerds. Yes, that was on time. I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good about that. Welcome to the Neuro Nerds. Here's a running theme. Say it every week. Mean it every week. Very special episode. Special guest today, Miss Amanda Salgado. What's going on, Amanda? How are you? Hey, good. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you for being on the podcast. I, I really appreciate it. And you know what? We're going to dive straight in. <laughs> How are you part of this community, Amanda? I, I, well, in 20, let's see, this would be about... 2015, I was the first kind of blurb in realizing that I had, or that I'm more prone to blood clots. Mm -hmm. So I actually had my first blood clot back in 2015. And um, I was on three months of blood thinners then, and it seemed to dissipate. So went off blood thinners, and I was good till 2016, but then I ended up with a pulmonary embolism and a DVT in my left leg. Okay. Well, that doesn't seem like a lot of fun. Yeah. So went back to blood thinners on Zarelto. And I was on Zarelto since 2016 after the pulmonary embolism. Mm -hmm. And I ended up having the stroke last year in 2020 on February 26th. And I was on Zarelto still at the time I had the ischemic stroke. So is the stroke so, caused by blood clots when I was on blood thinners for a few years already. That's, that's crazy. How did they explain that to you? Like, why were you still clotting if you were on blood thinners? 
That's a great question. One of the hematologists I had at the time, because I had a few hematologists over the years just for, for moving for school. And I moved to another city for a little while after school. And so I was kind of switching hematologists, but all of them would run the same couple of tests. And when tests would come back negative, they wouldn't really push further to try, kind of figure out what was going on. Right. And so last year, whenever the stroke happened, the hematologist that I had at the time literally just told my mom, well, Zralto failed her. And she's like, no kidding. I can tell that <laughs> without having to have a the hematologist degree. <laughs> <laughs> that is a shocking thing to say. <laughs> what what was the name of the medication? Zarelto. Zarelto mm-hmm. for four years? Yeah, roughly. Stead- mm-hmm. And steadily. This is just something that you take every day. Yeah, it was something I took every day. And and in the doctor's appointments that you've had since, there wasn't any issues with your blood clotting? I mean, I switched blood thinners after the stroke because we were like, there's no way I'm going back on the same one. The one that, <laughs> that didn't stop the clots and, and the stroke from happening, that medication? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and so I'm on Coumadin now oh, or Warfarin. Okay. It has two different names, I guess, for it. So they're essentially the same thing. But um, it has a blood test that I do each week mm-hmm. that looks at like the thickness of my blood. It's called like an INR test. I don't know what it stands for, but I initially had to go to a lab each week to get it checked. But now I have a little machine that I can do it at home. Oh, wait, does that mean that you have to stab yourself? It's like a little finger prick. And then we put like a little blood drop on a little like test strip. It goes into the machine, et cetera. So my mom helps me do it every week. Good. I would need somebody to help me do it because I can't <laughs> inflict that type of pain myself. Uh, it's, like, it's nothing you know to the- me now because when I had the first blood clot in 2015, they gave me mm-hmm. Lovenox shots, which I had to take twice a day. So I had to do the like self the injections twice a day to do the blood thinners in for three months. Nope. Good. Nope. I, I, I couldn't do it. I uh, Amanda, I can't put eye drops in my own <laughs> eyes, <laughs> let alone shoot myself with a knee. I can't do it. Like I like when did you actually inject yourself or did you have yeah. help injecting no, yourself? Oh, you're an insane it. person. Man, you're an insane person. <laughs> I had like a little V8 bottle in my like dorm room that I would put all the empty needles in so that I could turn them in where I needed to after. And I was like, oh, it's just my little like druggy bottle. That's hilarious. We're like, oh yeah, there's Amanda. She's on heroin. <laughs> <laughs> that is so wild. And your blood for the last few years was like, it was good, I guess. As far as I know, because that's one of like, Downside with the Coumadin, I mean, one of the downsides is that AI has to do the blood test every week now. But the result of this test gives me a little number between, well, up to like a 3.0 roughly, Mm -hmm. or a little over three. And the doctors were saying, try to keep your range between 2.0 and 3.0 because that lower end of the range is uh, saying that your blood's getting thicker. And whenever it gets to the higher end of the range, it's getting thinner. Mm -hmm. But based on where my results are at each week, the result gets sent through an app to my doctor and he adjusts my word for end dosage based on how thin or thick the blood's getting. Uh, That's pretty amazing, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit of a process, but it's interesting. But with the Zeralto I was taking, I didn't have a weekly test I had to do, which was kind of nice, but I also couldn't tell when it was getting thicker. Yeah, it's just kind of a crapshoot. So uh, have you noticed that he's had to adjust your medications frequently or is it pretty steady? It's, we're still kind of figuring out a little bit of a balance. Like we'll be good for a few weeks of time and then one week we'll change it. Or it's like here and there we change it, but it's never any like huge drastic change. It's just like add a couple milligrams a week or something like that or take away a milligram or two or something like that. 
Right. Is there then, a reason why your blood changes? Part of it is with, I don't know why with the other blood thinners, this doesn't mm-hmm. apparently sound, according to the hematologist, like it's a issue, but with the Coumadin and the Warfarin, you have to be careful with the vitamin K intake you have in your food. Okay. So it's not that I can't have foods with vitamin K, which a lot is a lot of the like leafy green things or things like avocado, lettuce, broccoli, kale, spinach, kind of that's more of the main things that ha- or that has vitamin K. Right. But it's not that I can't have those things. It's that I either have to cut it out of my diet or have it consistently each day, the amount that I have of vitamin K. Wow. Because so the you vitamin literally kind of have on this on this blood thinner will thicken up my blood. So you have to measure out your food and plan ahead. You can't just freestyle the amount of greens that you eat. Pretty much, unless you're really good at eyeballing it, I guess. You're right. <laughs> but I don't know if that's a game I want to play. <laughs> right. I'll have exactly eight leaves of spinach. No, that's weird. That's very bizarre. But if you think about it, how amazing is it that you can take this medication and then you have a doctor that you don't even have to talk to. You just message. And then mm-hmm. he'll just like, oh, we're just going to d- adjust this and then figure out like it's it's so crazy to me. Like it doesn't make any sense, but it makes all the sense in the world. Like we kind of live in the future. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> and you don't have to give yourself shots anymore for the most part. I guess just your finger, which isn't bad. Yeah. yeah. When you were giving yourself shots, was it like in the arm, in the stump? Like, I don't where, where do you give yourself shots. Oh, no. I oh, know. God, Amanda. Oh God, I'm so, I don't feel well. I, I, <laughs> yeah, that's I, no. why I didn't choose the Lovenox initially. The hematologist who put me on it, he put me on the Zarelto. Well, he gave me okay. the options of the different blood thinners. He's like, here's some of the pros, here's some of the cons, make your choice. And then he's like, you probably won't want to do Lovenox though. He's like, at the time, I was, let's see, 2016. I was going into my junior year of college. Okay. And so he's like, you're young college student in California, you probably don't want, she's like, you're probably going to the beach a lot. You don't want to have bru- little bruises all over your stomach probably all the time. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. Yeah. Cause you're literally stabbing yourself in the stomach. Oh my God. That's wild. So when you had your stroke, where were you? Like, were you at home? Were you out and about? Yeah. Luckily I was at home because I mean, I was going to school, but I was commuting to school. Mm-hmm. So luckily I only lived about maybe 20, 25 minutes from the school. So it's perfect. Um, I, cause my mom asked me like what I remember from that morning and kind of early on in the hospital visit. Mm-hmm. And so I had a big test the day of the stroke that I was supposed to do this really stressful, crazy test for my program I was in. And my mom knew I had the test in the morning. So when she saw I was in my room in the morning a little bit longer than I normally would have been there, she's like, oh, she's probably cramming last minute for the test. I'll give her a few right. more minutes. So she waited a couple more minutes. And then she's like, uh, she's still here. I should go check on her. And then whenever she came into my room to check on me, I was already on the floor by my bed. And I guess I'd thrown up and I didn't even know I did it. Right. <laughs> it was just like on the floor next to me. And I remember her saying, like, why are you on the floor? And in my head, I had no idea I was on the floor. I thought I was on my bed still. Oh, wow. Wow. And I remember her asking if I could get up or not. And she said, if you can't get up, I'll call the ambulance. Mm-hmm. And so when I couldn't get up, I remember her calling the ambulance. And uh, yeah, I remember her calling them, but it's weird because I don't remember them showing up. I don't remember them coming into my room, putting me in the ambulance, getting to the hospital. So it's all really like kind of wild to me that I just 
go blank from there, kind of. So I was filled in on a lot of kind of what happened. Same, same. It's it's bizarre because I've been told over and over and over again the things that have happened. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I'm like, okay, am I remembering this? Or is it just that I've been told this so many times that yeah. it's just in my head? It's like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's what, what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, How, like, what's the gap? Like, where do you re- start remembering things steadily again? Mm-hmm. Was it a few days? Was it a few hours? A few weeks? A little over a week. Because okay. I told my mom, the first thing I clearly remember was because I had a craniectomy three days after the stroke. Because after the stroke, the because the stroke was in the right side of my brain. Right. And so my brain had started swelling up from the stroke. And they were afraid or they kind of started to see like the beginning of a midline shift. I don't know if you've heard of that. I, do, I haven't. But I don't believe basically I Basically with the swelling on the right side of my brain, it was kind of start the like parts of swelling up was almost crossing over like the midline of the brain and they didn't want it to put so much pressure on the good side that wasn't harmed that it would start causing damage to the good side of the brain. Wow. So they were saying, well, if we do this craniectomy where they remove that skull piece on the right side, then it would give the brain more room for the swelling and it wouldn't have as much pressure on the brain. Wow. And they did that. I'm sure you don't remember much about that. No. So I had that three days after. And I mean, the surgeons or someone cut off like a little part of my hair for the surgery, just enough to get done what they needed to do. But I was told they left me with a really wonky, not great haircut. And so one of the workers at the hospital asked if we wanted her to buzz off the rest of my hair. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, heck no. But then I thought, well, at least it'll grow in evenly, hopefully when it comes back. So you know what? Screw it. Just do it. <laughs> Hey, hey, I, I, I saw some of the pictures. It, it, it didn't look bad. You look good. Thanks. So I told my mom the first thing I clearly remember was the worker buzzing it off. Oh, wow. And she goes, that was after your coma. And I was like, sorry, come again? Because <laughs> wow. I had the craniectomy, but then I was in a roughly like a week-long medically induced coma. Okay. Yeah. So while you healed, right? Yeah. that Because um, they said that, because at the time I was still processing things pretty slow. Mm-hmm which is probably a good thing, but uh, I mean, at the time, Um, but they said if she starts kind of realizing everything that happened and the, um, what it caused, then we don't want her to start stressing out a lot because the stress could keep the brain swelling from going down at a quicker pace. Wow. So they said, if we do the craniectomy and put her in the medically induced coma, she'll probably be calm enough that the swelling will go down faster Mm -hmm. and be more safe for the brain. Right. And that seemed, that seemed to work out. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's bizarre that you just wake up. Oh, yeah. Coma. Wait, what? Yeah. That's really bizarre. It's bizarre because I, I know what it's like to be in the hospital and have like a bunch of weird stuff happening. And then people tell you things. You're like, wait, what? How? Yeah. What? It's, it's I, mean, really I, I wasn't in a coma. I can only imagine how like wild that must have been to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but after you came to. You know, mm-hmm. what, what were the deficits that um, ended up happening uh, after your stroke? Oh, sorry. One more thing. So kind of like what you were saying with being told things that happened and you didn't really remember it. And you're like, oh, that's kind of wild. So with the coma, I had a ventilator during that time, too. So, I mean, I was told it was doing most of like the breathing work for me initially. And then they kind of like weaned me off of it. Right. Um, And then they slowly had me weaned off the like medication they gave me to induce me into the coma. And so when I came out of it, I was still kind of very out of it, so to speak. 
And so I remember my family talking about me coming off the vent. And in my head, I was like, what the heck is this vent they're talking about? I didn't even ask what it was at the time, but I remember them saying that and thinking, what the heck is this vent? I have no idea what they're talking about. Did somebody explain it to you eventually? I like later on, I forget if it was at the hospital, but just later on at some point, they told me I was on the ventilator and I was like, oh, ventilator vent. Got it. Right. right. I, 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 I get it. So you, you weren't capable of breathing for yourself at the time. I guess at some point there, it was doing most of it for me. Cause I asked my mom if it was doing just part of like the breathing for me or all of it. And she said, she thinks it was doing the most or the majority of it at one point. And they kind of like weaned me off of it. So it wasn't just to like cut off cold Turkey for my lungs, I guess it kind of eased back into it. Wow. That's, that's yeah. really frightening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's just really intense. And that's one hell of a thing to wake up to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, I wasn't able to breathe by myself. Machine did it for me. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just move on with my day. That's strange. <laughs> and I asked my mom, like when the paramedics came, did they deem it pretty quickly that I had, they thought I had the stroke and she was actually, no, she said that they thought I had fallen out of bed and hit my head on like my nightstand. Oh, okay. And she's like, she's 23. She didn't roll out of bed. <laughs> and so I'm wondering, cause I don't exactly know if what I'm almost thinking might've happened is I probably got up to go to the bath or I would probably woke up and realized I had to go to the bathroom and then tried to get out of bed to go to the bathroom. And then when I put my feet on the ground, that's when like the hemiplegia kicked in and I just kind of dropped to the ground. And that's where she found or why she found me on the ground. Right. So that's that, my best guess, but obviously I don't know for right, sure. Kind of the play by play. Thank you to our amazing community on Patreon for supporting this podcast. You can support us too and get different perks and gifts depending on which Neuro Jedi tier you sign up for. For example, if you're on our Neuro Padawan $5 tier, then you're probably listening to this episode a day early before it's public release. Your support helps us grow and continue to create this podcast. Plus, a portion of the proceeds go to a different cause or individual in the brain injury survivor community each month. Sign up at patreon.com slash the neuronerds. A lot. Does it bug you that you don't know 100%? Like, does it kind of mess with your head a little bit? A little bit at times it has, but at the same time, I'm thinking, well, maybe there's a reason why I wasn't supposed to remember what happened. Maybe it would have been more traumatizing. Right. No, I, I, I agree with that. You know, I, I think uh, there are certain things that we need to make peace with. I'm still working on it because there's like a huge chunk of my recovery that I have zero memory of. Like none. Mm-hmm. I'll look at pictures and I'm like, I, I don't remember any of these people. I actually went back to the hospital that uh, the emergency room that I went to mm-hmm. uh, and the nurses knew me. They're like, oh, my God, like you're walking. This is amazing. And I'm like, oh, that's I, so cool. I was like, I don't know who you are. Like it really <laughs> it was shocking to me because they clearly knew who I was and I had Mm -hmm. not even a little bit in the back of my mind I had nothing it was 100% (laughs) nothing which makes me feel immediately like I'm insane right Mm -hmm. like when you don't remember something and everybody else does it's like okay well what's wrong with me well what's wrong with me is I have a brain injury (laughs) so that's what it is but it, it was just really really bizarre to not remember somebody who clearly not just recognizes me knows me and who has spent mm-hmm. a good amount of time with me and what's mm-hmm. even weirder is looking at pictures where this nurse is helping me walk mm-hmm. which is like i'm like oh man well you do can i tell you why it gets really weird for me as, sure. a, as a grown-ass man dude <laughs> i'm like i think she might have had to help me get into the shower ah. which is very strange for me 
or help me in the restroom. It's very uncomfortable for me. So this is when I become at peace with those thoughts or those, the, Mm -hmm. the, the memory not being there. Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's okay. I don't need to, this stuff. I don't need to remember. I don't need Mm -hmm. to remember this tiny little Filipino nurse (laughs) helping me into the shower. That's something I think I want to remember. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My mom said that she told them that I was likely didn't roll out of bed. She's like, does no one think that she's having a stroke except me? Wow. And so I'm guessing that they probably just thought I was too young for that to be what was going on. Sadly, that happens a lot. You know, Mm -hmm. the fact that you're you're young. um, Okay, so younger uh, brain injury survivors, stroke survivors specifically. um, The the first thing that they'll ask normally is what kind of drugs are you on? Yeah. And it's with me. They kept asking, you know, is he on cocaine? What, what What drugs is he doing? And, you know, mostly because I'm an idiot. And I was joking about drugs. Apparently, I don't remember this. Oh, I thought I was you were telling that you were just high. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was joking about drugs because uh, right before I, I had my stroke, I remember seeing a viral video of mm-hmm. this one dude. Uh, it was like a, a reporter, and she was asking people about the Powerball, and she went to like this really shady guy at a liquor store. She's like, "Sir, if you want the Powerball, what'd you do with the money?" And like, he just turns around, he looks on live TV, and he's like, "Get a bunch of cocaine and hookers." So I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And apparently in the hospital, I kept on joking about cocaine and hookers. So everybody in the hospital thought that I was on cocaine. So they kept on asking my girlfriend, they're like, hey, is he on drugs? Does he do cocaine? Because we need to know. Because apparently the, the drug that they give you to help you, if it interacts with cocaine, you'll die. So they're like, we need to know if he's on cocaine. She's like, he's not. But he keeps on talking about cocaine. She's like, he's not, he doesn't do drugs. He's just an idiot. She had to explain that to the doctors. So I'm really surprised because it happens. uh, Look, younger stroke survivors, it's not so uncommon. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times in emergency rooms, uh, doctors and nurses are just like, well, clearly this person can't be having a stroke because they're young. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous at this point. You know what I mean? Like, we mm-hmm. have sadly children that have strokes. It's mm-hmm. not that far out of the possibility of it happening. So I, mm-hmm. it just always bums me out that it's like, well, I know all of the signs say stroke, but you're young. So clearly that can't be it. It's really frustrating. Mm-hmm. It, it's amazing that your mom was like, this seems like a stroke. Did she mm-hmm. talk to the doctors about that? I don't know. I'm not sure. At what point were they like, she had a stroke. Um, I don't know if it was before they did the CTs or after, but okay. I, it's weird too. Cause I have a very, very vague memory of some of the workers asking the kind of basic, like, do you know where you are? What is today's date? Or where are you? What happened? Kind of stuff. Right. Just kind of seeing like where I was cognitively. And I don't remember answering, but I asked my mom, I said, did I answer them? She goes, yeah, you answered. And I kind of want to be like, were they the correct answers? <laughs> right. Right. You know, it, it's it's weird sometimes because when I had my show, apparently I was pretty cool hmm. for like a long time, for almost like yeah. a full day after yeah. my right basal ganglia ruptured. Apparently That's I was just mild. like really cool. It, it is like I I went to a I went to a bar. I watched my my girlfriend perform. I had a beer. All these dumb things that you shouldn't do that I did. And I was like as coherent <laughs> as I could be. I don't remember any of it. I have like zero memory, but I was That's still. Wild coherence and and then i don't remember anything for about two months like uh, yeah yeah it's it's wild like like you said like little little flashes little bits that i'll remember Mm -hmm. like oh somebody helped me in the shower that was weird 
or <laughs> is that somebody yelling down the hall? That's strange. Like all of this, this, these weird things. Um, when were you coherent after your brain surgery? Like when were you like, holy shit, I had brain surgery. I don't know time-wise exactly. Like I know I was there 17 days overall and the craniectomy was three days after the coma was about a week. So it gives a little bit of a time frame, but I don't know exactly after coming out of the coma, like how many days after I was kind of more coherent, I guess. But one of the like kind of funny things is I remember was my neurosurgeon came to talk to me after and I was like, my jaw hurts. Is that normal? And he goes, well, when I did your surgery, I had to make a little cut in one of the facial muscles. So it's not surprising, but it'll go away pretty quick. And I was like, okay, cool. I was like, was it this muscle? And I just named off some random muscle on the face that I remembered. And I think my dad said that he told him I was right, but he had to pull out his phone and like check. That's amazing. And my dad sits there shaking his head. And he's like, you don't remember what you had for breakfast two hours ago, but you're challenging your neurosurgeon <laughs> on a muscle in your face. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty, that's, that is pretty amazing. <laughs> the fact that he, he had to cut your face muscle though. That's insane. That's wild. I know. <laughs> but yeah, you were asking, I just remembered a couple of set minutes ago, you were asking kind of what the deficits were from it. I right. Think. So yeah. So since it was on the right side of the brain, I had the left-sided hemiplegia, so the left-sided paralysis for the arm and leg. Mm-hmm. And then I have um, what I think it's called hemianopsia. So it's I lost a good amount of peripheral vision to my left side in both eyes. Oh, okay. And I have left neglect, who is she probably, I mean, you probably read about it in Maddie's book because I know you read Maddie's book, I think. Right. Um, oh, yeah. But, I'm, I'm in Maddie's book. Of course I read it. <laughs> <laughs> so the left neglect was a very interesting thing to kind of get used to because uh, I had a very similar experience to Maddie in the hospital in terms of how we kind of figured out that I had it because mm-hmm. I would eat the food on the left side or the right side of my plate and not the left side of the plate. It Okay. You say I, I thank goodness I I've been called, I say this a lot and you know, I just want to always like kind of hammer it in. I've been called a walking, talking miracle because there's no reason why I should be as functional as I am with the type of stroke that I had. So Maddie and I had the same stroke. We had the same type of stroke. But yours um, wasn't an AVM, right? It was like a blood pressure thing. Yeah. My, mine was a, uh, a basal ganglia rupture. It mm-hmm. was a, uh, the, the blood pressure made my brain explode because recovering Catholic, never processed anything, processed anything. Blood pressure was through the roof. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so I had for a small amount of time, I had left side neglect when I was in the hospital. Mm-hmm. It but was you don't remember? Sh- I, I don't remember much. I do remember <laughs> drawing. So they would ask me questions and I would say, hey, draw a clock. Yeah, I did and I would draw too. a clock. Mm-hmm. I would draw one half of a clock. Mm-hmm. They would say draw a person and I would literally draw a half of a person. And <laughs> like they would ask the weirdest, uh, like, one arm, one leg. Literally, just a literal half of a, of a human, well, sick person. I don't know how to draw. And a clock. I would literally draw the left side or the, the right side of the right clock. Uh-huh. That's all I would do. So then they would ask me, well, what about the other side? And I distinctly remember just being so confused. You're like, what other side? Because I'm looking at it. I'm looking at what I just drew, which is not Picasso. <laughs> it's messy, yes. <laughs> But I'm clearly seeing a clock and I'm clearly seeing a person that I drew mm-hmm. and I didn't understand and it didn't connect and it didn't process that there was a piece that was missing. But mm-hmm. turns out I was literally just drawing half of things that the mind is yeah. insane. It's, it's mm-hmm. wild how the mind just didn't acknowledge that one side of my body was there. So mm-hmm. 
the one side of my body came back thanks to a buddy of mine. I know it sounds weird. I had the the hospital I was at was kind of lax at night. So I had like visitors at like two o'clock in the morning. All of my friends were in music industry and my buddy had just uh, come to visit me from the studio <laughs> and he might've been a little high. He might've, you know, just saying. <laughs> so he came in just to visit to say, Hey, and I was there with, with my girlfriend and we we're just like having a conversation back and forth. Apparently I don't remember, but if we were just very chill. It was mm-hmm. just a normal, just two idiots having a conversation. And he said something, he was making fun of like, you know, the, 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 I guess the, barrier over the the like the sheet that comes down over the bed to kind of like it he looked up and he was like yeah it's kind of like a choo-choo train and i looked up and i was like oh yeah and i lifted my left leg oh, and i no. got real comfortable <laughs> and apparently like felice was just like oh my god like freaking out like keep on talking and i got so relaxed and so comfortable that i acknowledged for the first time in however long that i had a left side so yeah I, I'm thankful that it didn't continue past the few days or whatever mm-hmm. it was the week or so that I was in the mm-hmm. hospital. But um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's wild how that happens. And I'm very thankful that I'm, I'm, I'm here and, and mm-hmm. as functional, you know, um, you, you were physically, you were affected mm-hmm. very badly mm-hmm. from there until now. How would you say you've recovered? I mean, the arm and hand are definitely a slower process than the leg. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I was told the leg would probably come back much quicker just because you do so much on your feet. And like every time you go get anything, you're on your legs or you're standing up and putting weight on to your leg. So your brain's kind of getting signals that you want to use the leg because you're always getting up on it kind of thing. Right. So and I was told that I'd or that lots of people typically get movement back from the joints closest to the trunk first. So either like the hip when it comes to the leg or the shoulder when it comes to the arm. And then it would kind of work its way down the arm toward like the elbow to the knee, down to the ankle wrist. And then the fingers would come in later. Oh, oh, interesting. Okay. And so I was like, oh, well, that's kind of good to know. So I shouldn't be too surprised that the fingers aren't going to come back in two, two days kind of thing. Right. I mean, kind of nice, but kind of frustrating at the same time. Yeah. It, look, it, it, knowing something and actually living through it, two completely different things, mm-hmm. you know, like knowing this is what it might be. And also, okay, I can accept that. But then it actually happening. It's like, I don't want to accept this. <laughs> so I, I, I'm assuming you've uh, learned more patience than you've ever had in your life. Oh, yes, definitely. I still need to work on it, but it's definitely much better than it was last February when everything began, for sure. Right. I, I, my first physical therapist, he saved my recovery um, because I was very impatient. I had no patience, none. I, I didn't just, I could I remember barely you talking about this the first time I video chatted with you. <laughs> oh, awesome. That's it. Hey, if, if nothing, I'm consistent. Um, it, it was, <laughs> I couldn't, I could barely stand. Like if I was just standing still, I was swaying. And if yeah. I closed my eyes, I would fall down. Like I couldn't even uh, function mm-hmm. and I just wanted to do more. Always wanted to do, to do more. And he he gave me the wisest words ever. And every you know survivor out there should really hold on to this phrase: "You have to be patient, or you will forever be a patient." And I was like, "Oh shit! I don't want to be a patient. I don't want to go to the doctor. I hate the hospital." So <laughs> it was from that moment on that I actually like listened to my physical therapist. I listened to my occupational therapist, and mm-hmm. I slowed down. I was like, "Hey, I want to run." But I'm good right now, just learning how to stand still without mm-hmm. swaying. So yeah. it, that that helped me a lot, you know. Um, you were you walking. Okay. Did you you didn't 
you said you didn't have a lot of like physical deficits, right? So how right. was like your leg? Cause did you have, what was like trying to walk like at first for you? It was okay. It was like a baby deer. I, <laughs> I really, my, my legs were like jelly. It was, it was weird because it was almost the same feeling I had when I had my stroke. The second I had my stroke, I knew when it happened. It, and it was like maybe within a minute or so afterwards where every muscle fiber in my body turned to jelly. And I, I said out loud, I was like, wow, I feel like I'm learning how to walk again. Cause that's what it felt like. I felt mm-hmm. like baby deer legs a real boy. when I was recovering. It felt the same. I didn't feel the same. I was in a new body. I was in a new brain, Yeah, but I, I really didn't understand. Like it, it's the strangest thing to try to explain to someone. It was my body but I, it didn't feel anything like my body. Mm-hmm. Every step I took, it wasn't like, okay, well, you lift your right leg and you lift your left leg. And it, exactly, it didn't yeah. work that way. It, it was really a process to, to, to move. You're literally learning how to walk and function again. But with me, it came back a lot quicker. It was mm-hmm. a lot of weakness mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it came back within a few weeks. I, I, w- I was walking fine. And then, Dang, you know, I that's was wild. It, 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 it like, it seriously is. When I say I'm walking, talking miracle, man, like I mean it. Several people in the neuro field, when they know the type of stroke that I had, when like I meet them, they look at me like I'm an alien because they're like, yeah, no, this isn't supposed to be like, it, it, it's amazing. So most of my deficits are cognitive. It's uh, uh-huh. short term memory is like the yeah, worst. I'm like, like Dory, it's the worst, <laughs> but it's getting better, you know? Um, my, my occupational therapist was amazing and I wouldn't be as functional as I am today without her. Um, and physically I gotta tell you, I feel like I'm killing it. I do have issues with my right hand. Um, mm-hmm. when I exhaust you the hand, tremors, I, right? tremor, it's awful. Like it's, and then I get really clumsy and like, I can't grip things and they fall. And that's when, you know, I say, oh yeah, patience. I don't have any patience for that. Like I am the meanest person <laughs> to myself. Do you have negative <laughs> self-talk when, you know, things aren't going the way that you want them to? I definitely have at times, but I, at times, if I'm more like conscious of it, I'll try to get out of that pretty quick, but it definitely still happens at times. Oh, okay. Don't do that. It's me yelling at you. <laughs> you know, we have, we have to be kind to ourselves like like we do. Do, do you want to know why? We survived a brain injury. Exactly. That's a lot. How How's your support system? Good. One of the good things my family and I were saying was when the stroke happened, like, I was supposed to be going to school that day. So if it had happened, because we don't really know how, what time in the morning it began. So I don't mm-hmm. know what the window was like between when it started and what time I got to the hospital, which right. is kind of a frightening factor of it. Um, but at least I hadn't tried to get out of the house and get in the car to leave for school when it happened. That would have been a bad idea. Yeah. You know, look, as bad as things are, you could think they could have been so much worse, mm-hmm. you know? You could have been on your way to school. You could have been behind exactly. the wheel. That uh-huh. would have been horrible. Not even yeah. just for you. Imagine for someone, someone else, else just oh. driving it by. Yeah, it, it would have been horrible. You know, I, I think I suffered from migraines forever and I've missed so many things due to my migraines because they popped mm-hmm. up. Turns out it was unchecked high blood pressure. Anyway, <laughs> that night, if I didn't go see my girlfriend perform, I would have been at home and had my stroke. Mm-hmm. I might not have made it. You know, because mm-hmm. I would have just been there by myself and it, who knows what would have happened if I didn't have somebody to like force me to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's wild. Things kind of like, you know, we're, we're, we're blessed. And I know sometimes it doesn't seem that way because having a brain injury sucks. Definitely. One, one star would not recommend. 
<laughs> this, this is not the thing. <laughs> but, you know, it, like I always come back to as crazy as things are, we're here to experience how crazy these things can be. And that's mm-hmm. that's a beautiful thing. Um, it's having a brain injury is very difficult, right? Mm-hmm. At what point were you like, I, this really does suck, but I'm going to be able to get past this. Or were you always super like, you know what? This is just a little, little hurdle that I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to bust through and I'm going to win. Uh, I wouldn't say that. Um, Cause well, I mean, the first thing that I kind of, I feel like started processing more once I started kind of processing things at a more normal pace, the first thing that kind of hit me was that I wouldn't be going back to school right away. Right. Cause I was, in my first year of my doctorate program to be a PT, Amazing. which is kind of ironic <laughs> a little bit. So I was about eight months into my first of three years in the physical therapy program. Mm-hmm. And I was like, crap, I'm not going back to school right away. Cause I was like, I still have two more years. Like I have to get back to the program. Right. And right. I had had an interest in doing neuro PT also kind of ironic. <laughs> That's wow. I, my mom was uh, using, or she has a lot, or I gave her a lot of contacts to certain people and mm-hmm. she contacted the school on, I think her phone to kind of tell the school what happened and that I wouldn't be coming back to the program. Right. At least anytime soon. And the head of the physical therapy department kind of reached out to some of the other staff in the physical therapy program at the school. Mm-hmm explain what happened and my mom gets a message back from one of the women who teach at the school saying if you can get amanda into the inpatient acute rehab center here that's associated with the grad school she said my husband dan is the head neuro pt at the inpatient center and he'd be able to work with amanda for rehab how amazing is that is that what happened yeah so we were able to get me into the grad school that was associated or the sorry the rehab center that was associated with my grad school that I was going to for PT school. And I ended up working with this teacher's husband, Dan, as my neuro PT and inpatient. Wow. What a small world, actually. I know. It gets smaller, too, because I got my OT and my speech therapist assigned to me. The speech therapist that I had named Jody, I asked them if I could say their names on the podcast. And they're like, sure, go ahead. <laughs> but um, Jody was like, because she saw that I was a student in the school there. Right. And she asked if I knew some this person named Todd. And I was like, he interviewed me for the PT program in 2018. And she goes, that's my son-in-law. And I was like, are you kidding me? That is, that's <laughs> wild. <laughs> Who knew that this world was so small? I know. <laughs> you know, it, it's like the Marvel Cinematic Universe when it comes to you and all that stuff. It's all connected. Yeah, <laughs> you know you weren't you weren't able to to you know finish you weren't able to finish your program right um the head of the pt department kind of told my mom like if like by some miracle i was able to get like prepared enough to go back to the pt program within a year then they would have let me kind of pick up almost kind of like where i left off kind of thing right but otherwise i'm guessing if i were to go back now i would have to kind of start the process over which is mm-hmm. a lot <laughs> But um, I was like, well, or I was like, I feel like they, the first assumption would have been that it wouldn't have been less than it, or just a year to kind of get back to where I would need to be for the program. <laughs> right, right. You know, but, hey, a- a- anything is possible. 
anything, you know, and after your brain injury, after coming this close to not being here, you literally do whatever you want to do. You, it, whatever's going to make you happy. You're here. You made it do that. And I don't think there's anything out of the, the, the realm of possibilities. Uh, you know, you want to fly? Let's fly. <laughs> you want to jump out of an airplane? Let's jump out of an airplane, Amanda. I have done that. <laughs> Same. I love it. I love it. Wait, are you, do you have plans on doing it again? I I don't know but if I had it on the stroke, maybe, but the, having had the stroke, I'm more hesitant about it. Oh, my God. Um, having having had a stroke, I'm more, more gung-ho about it. More. <laughs> like, yeah, let's do it. You know, brain it. Look, my body, my brain tried to kill me. Jumping out of an airplane, that's old hat. That's not going to be, that's, that's, that's just a day. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. Uh, uh, do you know if there's any, like, like, you can't do it because you had the stroke kind of thing. Like there is, there is mostly like within the first, uh, what was it? The first year or so. That's what, when my doctor told me, I was like, Hey, can I do this? Can I do that? And he's like, yeah, but like later you gotta make sure like you're that all this is healed and good. I don't think, uh, uh, there's any issues. I would consult with your doctor first. Mm -hmm. If your doctor looks at you like this, don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Cause I think I had, Right on. I forget whose Instagram account. It might have been Priya's mm-hmm. out in Australia. Oh, yeah. Um, saying that she wanted to skydive, but because of the stroke, like she's not able to or something. I don't know. Oh, that's a bummer. I don't know if it, that's true or not, but I was, I don't, I don't know. I haven't asked since. So, hey, if if you're not able to, I will skydive twice. Once for me, <laughs> once for you. It's going to be amazing. I, I'm excited. I, I, I love that, that kind of stuff. Just keep me out of the ocean. I'm not a fan of the ocean. That's how I am. I was less afraid to skydive when I went than I was to do like a scuba dive. Yes. Look, I don't know what's at the bottom of the ocean. I yeah, don't. The, the ocean's fascinating. It's cool, but it's terrifying at the same time. Yeah. Have you ever seen the abyss? Nah, man. I, <laughs> <laughs> it's just scary. I don't want to do that. <laughs> so you've been rehabbing basically since you got home, right? Pretty much. Yeah. I was in the hospital for 17 days overall. And then I went to the inpatient acute center by my grad school and I was there for exactly seven weeks and I don't know if you had this trouble but whenever uh, you first started doing things again after the stroke did could you stay upright when you were seated or would you tip over I would tip over especially if I had like even close like blinked long my my balance was so bad that like I would literally like almost fall out of my chair I almost had to like Mm -hmm. hold on yeah I had the lack of sitting balance too and that's such a weird concept to me because I've heard like my teachers talk about having sitting balance trouble in patients and I was like what does that feel like like that's so strange and then after the stroke I would, every time I would try to sit up I was like I feel like I'm falling I feel like I'm falling and I was right, like yeah. immediately start tipping over it went from what did that feel like to oh that's how it feels yeah <laughs> it's I'll tell you what it, what it feels like it does not feel good that's what it feels like it feels <laughs> very uncomfortable it feels literally like you're an adult who can't sit down. Like, I know that sounds ridiculous, but that's exactly what it is. You know, I had a point in recovery, like physically, where I was like, I am back. I'm 100 percent. This is amazing. I was on the, the bunzu ball. I was standing like on one leg and I was like, man, I'm killing it. And then my, my PT was like, wow, you're really doing well. Do me a favor. Stand. I was standing there. I was like, All right. Close your eyes. I closed my eyes and I fell down. Oh, geez. Like, I, it was weird because like eyes open, I was fine. As soon as I closed my eyes, my equilibrium was completely off. Mm-hmm. It was like a weird brain thing. That took me a few weeks to to kind of get back because I was like, I don't want to like yawn and then fall. You know what I mean? Like I was just yeah. really nervous. And also, I don't want to mob around with a helmet because it would probably need a helmet 
to protect my brain. Are you finding it hard to recover at home after stroke? Find out if Modus Nova can help you by taking their free online assessment at modusnova.com slash the neuronerds. If you haven't heard of Modus Nova, they make devices to help folks with a brain injury like stroke regain the use of their affected limbs. For example, the Modus Hand is an AI-powered robotic exoskeleton that helps users do exercises and play games, similar to the way an occupational or a physical therapist might manipulate the limb. It helps survivors get into thousands of repetitions they need to form new neural pathways. It can assist with hand movements or resist them to provide a personalized exercise experience. If this sounds like something you want to try, visit modusnova.com slash the neuronerds to learn more. Use special code the neuronerds when you sign up and get a month free with the 30-day challenge. Just visit modusnova.com slash the neuronerds to get started. You know? Yeah, I had the helmet for four months because of the craniectomy. Oh. So they wouldn't let me leave the inpatient center, or sorry, the hospital to the inpatient acute center until I had the helmet. Did you put stickers on it? I did not. My friends bought me some toward the end of the time that I was done needing it. So I right. had them, but I never got around to actually putting like a few of them on. You could have put like have. fire on the side, <laughs> like a skull and crossbones, you know, make it yours. If you're going to wear a helmet, make it badass. Maybe like a spike on the top of it, like a biker. <laughs> I think it'd be really good. <laughs> it'd be amazing. So in rehab, you were, um, you've been, you've been using the modus hand that just yeah. belongs. So happens to be long. So modus Nova, one of the sponsors of my podcast. <laughs> so how has the modus hand worked out for you? Good. Um, I didn't get it until about three to four months ago. So I have it currently. I have the hand mentor, which is the device from the company that works on the wrist motions, like the wrist flexion and extension primarily. So I have that one. I was trying to decide initially if I wanted to get the one for the ankle or the wrist first. Mm-hmm. And I kind of debated it for a while because I really, really wanted to get my hand going because my leg was progressing much quicker by the time right. I left from the inpatient acute rehab center. Cause I told you I got there initially when I couldn't like sit up straight, but I left uh, seven weeks exactly later and I was walking with my cane when I left. Right. So and my leg was progressing much faster, but the arm was just not kicking in right or for quite a long time. And so I was like, I really want to get the wrist one to get my wrist started because I heard that I would probably get movement in the wrist before the fingers would kind of start kicking in. Right. And so I was like, I need to get the wrist. But then I was like, well, if I get the foot mentor or the one that helps with the ankle, then it'd be a, something that helps with functional purposes, but it'd also be something that helps with kind of like a safety matter too. Cause then I won't mm-hmm. roll an ankle. Oh, right. Eventually. So I was like, maybe I should get the ankle one. But what helped me decide was at the outpatient center I started going to in, I think, early June, maybe mm-hmm. last year. I was asked if I wanted to be in a research study that used an exoskeleton. Right. And so they were trying to help show that doing robotic therapy in combination with traditional physical therapy would give better results for neurological patients who are learning to walk again. Mm-hmm. And so they would have one group that was solely doing for six weeks sessions with the exoskeleton. One group was doing 
sessions that were just traditional PT sessions and one was a combination of the two. Right. And so I ended up getting put into the one that was traditional PT for six weeks. And then at the end of the uh, session, like the first six weeks, everyone got to do at least nine sessions with the robot. Mm-hmm. But still got to try it. But my main six week block was with traditional PT. And I was like, well, the modus Nova is kind of almost like a robotic device. So I feel like I shouldn't be using the foot device from modus during the time of the research study. Cause my cousin who got a PT degree um, a few years back, um, she said, you probably want to just stick to the exercises that they're giving you at the traditional PT session so that we're outside therapy doesn't skew the results of the research study. Right. That makes sense. And so I was like, well, I'm not in the robotic group for the study. So maybe I shouldn't be getting the somewhat robotic device to help my ankle and my walking during the right. research study. So that's why you went with the, the, the modus hand. The hand one. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, how, how would you say the modus hand has worked for you? I think it has definitely helped, but I think it's kind of, for me, in my view, it's kind of a combination of the modus hand and the Botox injections that I get. Mm-hmm. So I know some people who have paired doing the modus hand and then immediately after doing mirror therapy, if you've heard of that. Right. So, and some people said that's really helped them. And I have like a mirror box that I could do mirror mirror therapy with, but I haven't been pulling it out while I've been using the modus hand. So I just try to work on the modus hand for probably one to two hours a day. I started with an hour a day Mm -hmm. and then I've, kind of recent more recently i'm trying to do more like two a day if i can because i'm trying to shoot for the 150 hour mark right now right i got my or one of my doses of botox right around the time i or that i had ordered the modus hand to come be sent to me Mm -hmm. and so by the time i got the hand mentor in my house the botox i had gotten had kicked in luckily And I had put some of the Botox in the muscles of my wrist that flex the wrist down, which is part of what my tone wants to do is cause wrist flexion. So within a couple of weeks of using the hand mentor, I want to say it was about the two week mark. I was able to start seeing a bit of wrist extension outside of the device. But I also knew that I had the Botox kind of temporarily paralyzing the muscles that were overactive that would cause my wrist to normally flex down. Well, from right. The right. So I, and then whenever the Botox was wearing off and the Botox and the wrist flexors was wearing off, then I started seeing the wrist flexion kind of start kicking in with using the device. So I can see mm-hmm. like the timing of the resulting thing with when the Botox is either kicked in or when it's wearing off and what muscles they have it injected in or not injected into and right. a, to try to put it somewhat shortage. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to the time uh, being put in it i think uh the goal is like the michael jordan of modus nova would be maddie like, oh yeah <laughs> she is what's the 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 politest way to put this she's a lunatic <laughs> but it's it's amazing with what she's done where she was and where she is now you mm-hmm. know it's 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 it, it, inspiring you know um mm-hmm. I, I i just think it's, it's great also if I see your scores up there, I'm going to try to beat it. I'm just saying that. <laughs> it, I, I think it's cool that you actually get to see other people's scores because it's like, oh, yeah, I want to beat Amanda. I want to beat Maddie. I haven't beat Maddie yet. And it's really, honestly, it's pissing me off. I'm not going to lie. Like the, 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 
<laughs> I, I, I'm a competitive person and I'm like, I'm going to do, and I haven't beat her. And it's really frustrating. So when you're, <laughs> when you're doing that, if you beat Maddie, please take a picture of it and send it to me so I can <laughs> gloat. Like really, it would make me feel really good that I'd be like, yeah, take that Maddie. Um, I'm excited um, when you try the uh, the modus foot, you know, please keep us in the loop and let us know how that works for you. Because I'm fascinated with these m- machines, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's incredible. And also it, you're kind of like you're going to be like Iron Man, you know, like your little <laughs> Iron Man suit. Or you're going to be like I mentioned it to the the CEO of Modus Nova. I was like, it's kind of like it reminds me of Aliens when Ripley, when Sigourney Weaver was in the big mech suit and she fought the the alien. So, mm-hmm. you know, if we ever have like an alien invasion, you're ready to rock and roll. You know, it's going to Modus Nova is going to save the world <laughs> one, one day. What, so what what's do you do you have goals for like the rest of the year? Do you have like, hey, at this point, I want to do this. Um, well. I'm definitely trying to work on getting because you don't have problems with tone, do you like the hyper level of tone? No, no, I'm I'm a, 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 I function at an executive level. Dang, that's quite nice. It's a pain in the butt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I, I'm, I'm telling you, walking, talking miracle. Because <laughs> with a lot of my wrist movement right now, like I have just a little bit of like the wrist extension and flexion mm-hmm. whenever I'm outside of the device, but my fingers want to curl up whenever I start the motion for right. both. So I'm trying to like one of that. A teacher from my grad school, Todd, who was one who interviewed me for the mm-hmm. PT program. Oh, yeah, yeah. The one who was the like son-in-law of my speech therapist. Small world. <laughs> he was saying, whenever you work on the wrist extension, only extend it just enough to where your fingers really start pulling in mm-hmm. and curling and then let it relax. Because you don't want to teach your brain that every time your wrist lifts up, you want your fingers to stay curled up. Right. You want to... Because he was saying, if you want to be able to like pick something up, like say off of a table or on your lap or whatever, and then you want to drop it, mm-hmm. you would need that wrist extension, but you would need the fingers to open up. And if they're constantly wanting to stay curled up, whenever you move your wrist up, it's not going to let you drop whatever's in your hand. Right. If that makes any sense. Right. That's, I, I'll, I'll say this though. I know whatever goal you set, you're going to hit. Like I know that. <laughs> You know, because you're, 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 you're a rock star and everything I, I I've seen from you. Like, I, I know these are all things that are going to happen because from the, like when I met you from where you were to where you are, it's incredible. Like it really is Thank like you. Uh, the, the, everything from the, even having a conversation with you and talking to you, like, it's like, oh, wow. Like you are a brand new person, the way that you're walking, <laughs> the way that you're moving your arm, all of those things are brand new. The, the, the long hair that you have now. <laughs> Because when I first met you, you were like me. You have very short hair. <laughs> and by short hair, I'm bald. You just had you had shorter hair. <laughs> it's, my mine isn't coming back. I'm living vicariously through yours. Um, so I I, I I I I think that's amazing. I really I, I hope that you you know c- continue that fight and just uh, uh, keep on sharing your um your victories because they're important. It's important for you to celebrate. It's also important for other people in our community to see that it can be done. Are you a stroke or brain injury survivor looking for community and support? Well, the NeuroNerds are here to help. Join our hashtag YouSoRock Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash YouSoRock to connect with other survivors like you. Plus, read other inspirational brain injury survivor stories on Joe's blog at joesorocks.com slash YouSoRock. And submit your stories there as well. We want to hear them. And remember, you, you so, so rock. rock. <laughs> so lucky.
And mm-hmm. I, I think it's amazing. And at this point in the show, Amanda, I will say this. We are the neuro nerds over here. So I have to ask you, what's your nerdum? I'm not sure how to exactly word it, but I would say definitely it's something PT related because I'll explain a lot of times I'll just go straight into talking in PT terms whenever I'm trying to explain stuff about recovery. And I, some of the people I talk to on like support pages on social media, are like, what the heck are you saying? And I'm like, sorry, <laughs> give me a minute. <laughs> right. And I was like, I'll explain it to you, but it just give me a little bit of time to type it out or do a voice message or some, I'll video call you or something mm-hmm. to kind of explain better. <laughs> so I'll, I'll say you, you are, um, you love PT. I'm assuming mm-hmm. you're PT nerd. I went to an LA fitness uh, this morning because I one of my goals is to try to get back to doing a full gym workout and a regular gym again. Right. And so I was thinking, well, kind of a good first step is I'm trying to get a session set up with one of the trainers there. Mm-hmm. And the trainer said he's done a little bit with someone who else who had a stroke before. So I figured that's a bit better of a person to kind of tag along with. But I'm going to try to start going on Saturday mornings for 30 minute sessions, the first one's an hour, but I figure, well, it's a step in the right direction of the goal of trying to get to a full gym workout again on my own. Right. Hey, it's steps. Recovery is all steps. I started kind of saying what I wanted to work on and kind of improve. And I immediately started talking in PT terms. And my mom was like, sorry, she does that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) She's like English, Amanda. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you, you know what? You, you, it's it's uh, one of your passions. You enjoy it. I, I appreciate that. Hey, and when it comes to recovery, recovery is ongoing as a process. You know, it's steps. Take one step at a time. You're never going to be overwhelmed. You know, uh, uh, Amanda, I think you're a rock star. Like I'm, I'm always <laughs> impressed by you. I'm, I'm inspired by your fight. Like I, I, I really appreciate you, you coming on the podcast and sharing your story. Thank you. Now, would you like people to reach out to you on the socials? If they want to, they can. Sure. All right. Cool. So this is the part of the show where I give out our social. So if you want to reach out to Amanda, you can reach out to Amanda at Amanda underscore Nicole two, three, six on Instagram. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. I hope so. Cause I was reading it. And if I can't read that, <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> you can, oh, that reminds oh. me of something. <laughs> What's that? So with the like peripheral vision loss that I have, cause I have the left neglect, which isn't true vision loss. It's just the lack of awareness of the right. left side. But then the hemianopsia is the actual like field cut or vision loss that I had to the left side. Right. So my speech therapist gave me just some, it was kind of like almost balancing a checkbook, but on like a homework sheet. Right. And she's like, here you go, work on this and bring it back whenever you come back. So I go to work on it and I kept getting all the math problems wrong. And I I was like, there's no way I forgot basic math. Like what the heck? I kept getting all frustrated because I felt really stupid, but I was like, and I'm not a stupid person, at least pretty decent at math growing up and stuff. It wasn't my favorite subject once I got to calculus, but I mean, (laughs) up until then I didn't mind it too much. And then I started realizing that it wasn't trouble with the math itself. It was that I had trouble lining up the numbers that I needed to add or subtract. Oh, right. So I would start adding or subtracting the wrong numbers and then I would get the answer wrong and then be like, what the heck is going on? And so I was told to start using graph paper anytime I did my math because it had Mm -hmm. the little boxes help line up the numbers and it helps some, but I'm still kind of getting used to making sure that I'm properly lining up numbers. Hey, it's even that is a process, you know, it's a mental process Mm -hmm. and you're going to get it. Do you want to know why, Amanda? Because you can do anything. (laughs) I, I truly believe that. 
So with the goals that I'm trying to work on throughout the rest of the year, I'm trying to kind of get um, my hip and knee to get flexion at the same time, which is definitely a challenging task for me to kind of break through. And it's definitely a lot better, but it still has a ways to go. It's kind of like the muscle coordination to do it is tough. Mm -hmm. Um, But I figure, well, it's helpful for stairs, for curbs, just getting into a car. It's helpful in walking. It's helpful in so many different things. So having that be a stronger or like just something more easy to do, then that'd be good. So I'm kind of working on that. And then I want to, I talked to Modus recently. I left them voicemails and they actually called me earlier before this podcast. So you're going to schedule to talk on Monday because I wanted to try to return my modus hand and get the foot mentor finally. Right. Right. So I can start working on some of the motions for my ankle because I can lift my ankle up off of the ground a little bit. If I'm like seated on like on a couch with my feet on the floor, for example. Right. Or if I'm laying down on the couch and my legs are straight out in front of me, I can lift up my ankle. Or if my knees bent, I mean, I can lift up my ankle because it's easier to get your ankle to lift up if your knees bent than if it's straightened out. Right. Um, so I can do that, but once I'm standing, I can't lift my foot off the ground. Hey, and that's that's so that that's the goal. And your goal, Amanda, I I know for a fact. I know you're going to hit it. I know that. I feel it. I just spoke it into the ether, which means it's now. <laughs> it's already. It's already happened, <laughs> you know, and, and as, as for your journey, Amanda, sincerely, I'm proud of you. I really am. It's always Thank inspiring you. to see your fight and, and I'm really uh, thankful to know you. I'm happy that we connected. Um, you know, you can always re- reach out to Amanda, say, Hey, if you have any questions about PT stuff, because she's a PT nerd, she can <laughs> help you out with uh, uh, some answers there. And, you know, definitely uh, check out her, her story, check out her, her posts, because again, very inspiring, amazing person. You heard her. She's super dope. And as for us, the neuro nerds, you can reach out to my tiny ass kicking co-host Lauren at Lauren L. Manzano on Instagram. You can reach out to me at Joseph rocks on all the socials. You can reach out to us, the neuro nerds at the neuro nerds everywhere. Hey, Amanda, super appreciate you. I'm really, I, honestly, I'm, I'm very thankful that we we're able to do this. Thank you for making the time. Um, and on that wholesome Joe, super appreciates Amanda note. This neuro nerd is out. <laughs> that was awesome. I, I I I hope you enjoyed that, Amanda. That was great. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, remove that you PT nerd. <laughs> <laughs> If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please consider leaving us a five-star review on the Apple Podcast app. Your reviews help us grow and reach more listeners like you. Find us by searching for the Neuro Nerds on the Apple Podcast app today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.